This is a sound purchase podcast that is a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. Episode 25, Late of the Piers, Fantasy Black Channel. All right, well, let's start. Let's do a little game show. I rack my brains, Whoa. you know, at the late hour of about half past nine yesterday night. I should have been in bed, but I was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay up late for the people of this podcast and get one done. So I came up with two potential names. One I've actually settled on is the one I think you guys will get, which is Jeopardy, as in Jeopardy, but with a peer, as in late for the peer. The other one, the other one was nice. Peer. Pyramid, Pyramid, because that was another US game yeah. show called Pyramid, uh, which Dick Clark used to present, uh, and I think Donny Osmond did oh. for a bit. It's a very simple game show. Obviously, okay. we're we're covering late of the pier today. So, what I want you to tell me is, does the town have a pier or not? So oh, these quizzes are getting out of hand. Yeah, and obviously, if the town does have a pier, you'll hear this noise, uh, and if it doesn't have a pier, you'll hear. This noise. Okay, so we have got some people that you are playing for. So, Stefan, you are playing for Tony Hughes. Actually, neither of them have said where they're from. So, guys, if we do win, please do get back to us and and give me an address. Otherwise, I can't send you any prizes. Uh, So, Stefan, yes, you're playing for Tony Hughes. Champions Bundle. Uh, And, Brendan, you're going to be playing for Ron Freeman. Okay, let's let's hop right in. There's six Mm. questions in total. For Ron and Tony to win anything, you're going to need to get four of them right. So you're going to need to get a 66% pass mark. So, town number one, Upton Snodsbury. Does Upton Snodsbury have a peer? No Googling, I can see you on your phone. Uh, Yeah. I've I've got to go and just put this on record. It's very well documented that I am still practicing at geography, <laughs> should we say. Yeah. Uh, growth mindset. Still practicing. I don't... Part of me doesn't want to actually believe it. Oh, it's real a real place. <laughs> and well, where is um, it? I can't remember. Like, kind of region? Up north? Like, I think Down it was south? near... I don't think it was near Dorset. I think it might have been near Dorset. Let me have a look. I'm going to say yes, peer. Brendan saying yes to a peer. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes to the peer because if it was no, I don't think you'd come up with a place name like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, you know, if you're just trying to fill out the random names at the end, I, I think yes as well because that's that name is very specific. You, think, you, you both think Upton Snodsbury does have a peer. Final, final answers, locking in. You're both wrong. Upton Snosbury does not have a pier. Oh. It's near Worcester. Hence why I didn't want to tell you, because obviously Worcester is nowhere near the sea. Right, so number two. Swanage. Does Swanage have a pier? No. It's obviously going to be very obvious if you're listening in Swanage. I don't think it does. It sounds like a country place. 
I think it reminds me of swans and swans float on the water. So but not yes. traditionally at sea. Hey, those classic sea swans. <laughs> what, you mean a seagull? <laughs> yeah, it's a short neck sea <laughs> swan, isn't it? You know, that sounds like someone trying to fob off. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a sea swan, yeah, and you can have it for 150 quid. <laughs> Yeah, short neck, isn't it? No. Better for, for diving and stuff, isn't it? You know. Uh, right, so Brendan, you're saying no to a pier. Stefan, you're saying that there is a pier. Mm, correct. One of you's right. Swanage does have a pier. Swanage is, in fact, a seaside uh, hey. town. Obviously, otherwise it wouldn't have a wow. pier. Mm. So we are currently one to nothing for Stefan. Brendan, you need to get all of the rest of them right for Ron to get anything. So no pressure. Yes. Righty-ho. So, question number three. Hive. Does Hive, H-Y-T-H-E, have a peer? It sounds like it's in Scotland. Scotland can have peers. <laughs> you know? It's... Uh, no, it's classic. It's, it's a well-known oh, fact. Are you there are no peers in Scotland. Is that true? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. I'm going to say that it reminds me of a beehive and you don't find beehives by the sea, so... <laughs> No, there is no peer. Okay. You're both wrong. Brendan, you're doubly wrong because Hive is in Kent, which is about as far from Scotland as you you can get. Yeah. (laughs) Or still being in the UK. So, Ron. Ron, I'm sorry. But you can still play to see if you can, you might still beat Stefan. You know, if you you get them Mm. all right and he gets them all wrong, who knows? Stefan, Mm. you now need to get all of them correct for Tony to win a prize. Okay, Tony, here we go, bud. So, question four. Droop. Droop. D-R-O-O-P. Droop. Does it have a peer? That's not a real place. It it might be drope. I don't know. Yes. I think I've said no on every one. I think, so I'm going to say yes. No, you said yes to Upton Snodsbury. Oh, 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 oh. Well, yeah, I'll go in yes. Because you droop down. I, I can't think of anything. What exactly droops down yeah, there, Brendan? I, I don't know. Fishing rods off a pier. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for yes too, Jake. Both going yes. No, I'm sorry. You're both wrong. Droop <sighs> does not have a pier. So no one is getting any prizes. Good job, guys. Oh, no. You've saved us on some postage. Well done. Keep that bit in. I don't care if they know that we're not going to send them a prize because we're cheap. The next one, Danoon, D-U-N-O-O-N, Danoon. That's Scottish, surely. Um, I've got everyone wrong, I think, so... That means you need to go against type. Uh, Get one right. Go against your it, I'll tell I, you think what. I've done, I think I've done two yeses and two noes, but... It's, it's, it is in Scotland, I'll tell you that much. Yes! There's no bonus points for I'm going to say no, because Brendan says there are no peers. Yeah, got, Brendan's got, got everything stick, wrong. I've got to stick with my... Yeah. I've got... Well, that is a fact, so I've got to stick with my gut. <laughs> there are no peers in Scotland, so no. There is a peer at Dunoon in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wikipedia failed me. Okie dokie. So, final question. Holt. H-O-L-T. Holt. Does Holt have a peer? No. No to the pier. Is that what what the first thing that comes up when you Google Holt? (laughs) Yeah, now I'm thinking. 
New York. New York bagel. New York bagels are famously delicious because of the water, so yes, <laughs> I'm saying a pear. So you're saying yes, Brendan, you said no. There is not a pear at Holt. Oh, Raymond, you so failed me. it is a tie. Uh, I didn't anticipate a tie, so I didn't come up with a tiebreaker question. So mm. bear with me, because we are going to have a tiebreaker question. It's going to be peers related. What is the oldest peer uh, in the UK? Where is it? And you'll get a point for B- whoever's closest gets a point. I'm going to say Brighton. Going for Brighton? What, the one that burnt uh, down, I take it? Not the, yeah, not the current yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling Blackpool. Yeah, yeah there's a peer at Blackpool. Very famously a peer at Blackpool. Yeah. You're both wrong. The correct right. answer is Ride Pier at the Isle of Wight. So I do believe that will make Brendan the closest. Yay. Oh, nice one. Nice. Oh, man. Good job. How does it feel to be uh, a winner and a champion? Uh great it's really lifted up my spirits excellent it's, a, it's been a pretty bad month so yeah this is you needed this stefan how does it feel yes. to be an awful human being <laughs> yeah, fair enough fair enough yeah all right okay. a good, quick shout out to um piers morgan um well, actually, he's, you know, he's been an all right guy recently by actually holding well, MPs yeah. to account i mean he's yeah. still a horrible nasty yeah. gammon man but um, he, yeah, he's doing all right stuff at the moment. The only th- yeah, that's it's that, and he's an, also an Arsenal supporter. So I've got there's two things that I could probably chat to him about. But other than that, <laughs> it'd probably be a horrible, horrible coffee with him. Probably after he's not minutes. chatting to you, Brendan. No, he's he, he's not going to chat to you because he's nowhere near cool enough, mate. Oh, thank you. That turn there, that that was a good little. That was, that was like a Shyamalan, a Shyamalan twist. I thought, oh no, where's this going to go? <laughs> and he turned it on his head. And then Bruce Willis showed up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be terrible because he is actually a prick as well, isn't he? <laughs> oh, apparently, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Bruce Willis is listening, I love your movies, but... Okay, right. So we've we've put it off for long enough. We're here to talk about an album by this band. Yes. Yes. By virtue of it being the only album made by this band. So, <laughs> bit of background. Back in the day, <clears throat> New Rave was a thing. By and large, it was a very style over substance thing. You know, it was all about the hair and the jeans and the neons and and a couple of all right songs and then just lots of, of dancing about. Um, there were some bangers. Obviously, Claxons, um, Does It Offend You? Yeah. Uh, there was also Hadouken. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't class this album as New Rave, though. I think it sort of no. missed the boat on that one. And, and they kind of just... I think they were actively working against that kind of classification and also working against indie in general. I, I think they were... In fact, there's a quote I'll get to later where they pretty much confirm that. Mm-hmm. So w- Wikipedia classifies this as dance punk, which I think is a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful way of describing it because it, that's pretty much it. It's dance disco punk, um, if nothing else. So a bit of background on the band. Late the Pier formed in 2004 in Castle Donington. I don't know where Castle Donington is. Do you know where Castle Donington is? I'm going to assume it's in Donington. I, I did look it up. I can't remember where. It sounds like it'd be near <laughs> London, to be honest with you. Anyway, we're getting distracted. So they're from Cast Donington. Four people. Sam Eastgate does the lead vocals, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, drum sequencing, and synthesizers. Andrew Faley? Is that how you say that? 
Fooly, Faley. We're going to go Faley. Bass guitar, backing vocals, and bass synthesizers. Sam Potter. Sorry, Jake. Castle Donington is uh, kind of by Nottingham, Derby, Loughborough, that sort of area. Okay. Sam Potter, sampler, synthesizer, backing vocals. Ross Dawson, drums. Just drums. Lazy. I've completely lost my train of thought, and this is going to be rambling and, and no longer coherent. And that's fine. That's fine. That's what we're about about free flow, thought, and expression. But before they broke up, they released a couple of EPs. They had some pretty pretty good gigs. They were on the they headlined the Levi's Up and Coming tour, I think it was called. They had some Reading and Glastonbury appearances. And then boom, they released this banger. And it was good. Or or at least that's what we thought at the time. But obviously when it came out we were young. Young people are stupid and have got bad opinions on things. So Impressionable, exactly. So listening back today, we might change, we might not think it's good anymore. But at the time, we thought it was good. Really. So, Stefan, I know you you hadn't really heard of Late of the Pier before. So, the the first thing you would have heard about it. Well, do you want yeah, to I was, explain? I was about to say, yeah. yeah. Do you want to explain the whole awkward it wasn't situation? An awkward situation. So, the so first thing I'm very embarrassed. First thing that came up that Stefan would have heard about them was uh, a friend of mine, Jake Megan, sent a message to us on Instagram. Was it or Facebook? Either yeah, Instagram yeah. or Facebook. I can't remember which. Basically, suggesting the album. So I sort of was like, yes, that is a brilliant shout. Stefan, however, had obviously never heard of Late of the Pier, uh, so sent back wow. a very... Or, or Jake, Jake Megan, Megan. Genuinely thought that he was, you know, just random fan random of the fan. show, trying to be very nice. Uh, so very, yeah, he said, oh, I've not heard of... Can you, you know, got any albums that you can suggest sort of thing? Uh, and before he had a chance to say yeah, anything, yeah. I was just straight in there, like, don't worry, Jake, I know what it's about. 
we'll get it done because it's a great shout for an album. And then Stefan found that embarrassing somehow. <laughs> I mean... You, you're allowed to not know of all music. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, I think it was, it was more embarrassing because, one, he clearly wasn't talking to me. <laughs> he, was, he was talking to Jake. Two, I had no idea who he was. I mean, that's, 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 that's fine as well. You know, so, I, no, but I guess, like, because of my response, I was treating it very officially, like, oh, thank you for the request. We value your, oh, your see, input in all of this. <laughs> and then Jake's, like, immediately underneath me, like, I've got it done, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> that's great. I, I don't go in for the profession, yeah. even if I didn't know who it was. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm not a customer service person. Yeah. If I want to tell a fan to go <laughs> fuck themselves, well, I will. That's the point, though, right? You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> It's the yin and yang of our of our professional exactly. relationship. Exactly. That's why I'm not allowed to, on the email account. I'm the yin, you're the yang. <laughs> That's why I'm not allowed to, you know, send... It's Say why it I'm not allowed to send out the request to artists to appear on the show. Late of the Pier. Late of the Pier, yeah. So, um, Brendan, how did you first come about Late of the Pier? I was 17 in 2008. Enough <laughs> uh, <laughs> said. <laughs> <Love> said. <laughs> uh, same here. Same. I was in local bands with you and everyone and... We, we all liked the Claxons and MGMT and and et cetera, et cetera. And then this came along, kind of seemingly out of nowhere, I, I think. It was like one of those bands that just kind of appeared. Mm. Um, it certainly felt that way they, to, to, to me. Maybe that's just because we weren't going out to the gigs in London that they were doing and things like that, because obviously we weren't really old enough. But yeah, I remember just NME just yeah. sort of suddenly started hyping, as, as was their want at yeah. the time, hyping them out of nowhere. And um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I remember Luke, for me at least, Luke, my, my brother, used to play quite a lot of their stuff. I think Fokker really? got played quite a lot. I can't remember if that was me playing it or him oh. playing it, though. I've got two context notes to add. And, Jake, you can feel free to interrupt me to get your, to get your vengeance. Carry on. I quote, They blew my effing <laughs> mind. They're called Late of the Pier. They made one record and disappeared. Uh, Who was said it? You? it? No, it was oh, Dave nice. Grohl. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That was, I got that off the page. I was looking up how much it is for the records because, hmm. Brendan, I'm not sure if you realize because uh, Jake often suggests albums that are like ridiculously <laughs> cult <laughs> and cost a lot of money. Right. This one you can get for They released it a couple of years ago, I think. Um, they did, yeah, yeah they I did. saw that. Yeah. So this is at the top of this is at the top of the page to get that. And then the second thing I've got is that this was recorded or a lot of the pre production was done in the singer's bedroom. Yeah. That's cool. In what seemed to be another kind of period of great British DIY music and we've already mentioned MGMT and the Claxons and so on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get to, we'll, we'll probably go a little bit more into that when we talk about the enemy of the future, because I think that's that's probably the most obvious example of that DIY home recording yeah. thing. Yeah, lo- loads of it was done that way. Funny enough that um, Dave Grohl did a thing, some of the way that they did things was quite similar, similar to the way that Nirvana would do things. So I did make all the demo tapes, just bring those into the studio and then effectively make a better build on that demo sort of mm. thing in the studio. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think they were quite a big influence. Like Comfort does. Yeah, I was going to say the the Wikipedia article that I read was definitely like um, comparing 
their influences, and I can't remember who it was. It was, it was, the, the, it was the dance music the prodigy. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Well done. We've all read the Wikipedia. Uh, well, I think it's, <laughs> I think it kind of shows <laughs> as well with some of it. Um, with some of it, yeah, it's the, what they said. It's like a hybrid of the prodigy mixed with the guitar kind of sound of Nirvana. Yeah. That's so yeah. weird because I, I, I don't see that. I, I see this more as Gary Newman versus kind of later Gary Newman post punk. Well, like post punk or like television, um, like like garage rock, uh, uh, yeah, and, and even mm. sort of LCD sound system and stuff. I, it's just no, it's nowhere near as kind of um, abrasive or or kind of in your face as the Prodigy. Uh, no, no, there are obviously certain. No, sections, I, I but... find the guitar, the guitar parts, not necessarily too complicated, but they're a bit too smart for Nirvana. Yes, way. like they're they're very well thought out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd say if Soul Wax had gone, so I think Soul Wax, right? They were basically Soul Wax with more guitar. Mm-hmm. That that's how I think of it. If Soul Wax had gone a little bit more, cause Soul Wax had a fair bit of guitar, but you know, if Soul Wax had gone more down the guitar route instead of going down the too many DJs route, then could have would have been late of the peer sort of thing. Final bit of context I've got. So Sam Potter has uh, apparently treated their conception of Fantasy Black Channel as a reaction to mediocre, complacent, indie-schmindy bands who find a sound and stick to it, whose songs sound exactly the same. Uh, and I think that's a fair criticism to level at indie bands. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Even yeah. now, today. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, even using the same sounds. You know, so I so, said, right, Telecaster, Fender Amp, yeah. no distortion, no reverb, bit of delay. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know, look at someone like Royal Blood, you know, two albums of essentially the same material. Got a third coming out as well. Oh yeah, have you heard that new? I, I don't. I don't want to be on the bandwagon about on the anti bandwagon, should I say, about Royal Blood? But I definitely called it when they when they first popped onto the scene. It was like, wow, that's unique. But then yeah. I've seen how many albums can they was actually do? Was it really do that unique though? With that I mean, setup, all that's done is gone and looked at right. What are the White Stripes doing? Black Keys and other two piece hacks. But instead, we'll just do it with bass instead well, yeah. of guitar. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know, but then you know, you but the the white stripes, the black keys, they've they've all had to kind of expand and add other instruments and major production and so on. So, yeah, I've I've never been a big fan of the like the just bass and drums or guitar and drum duo. Mm. Also, their new single is um is something to behold. So yeah, yeah, I've, I haven't heard it. I'll... Anyway, is it good? I don't know. Yeah, it's I I, I, I personally don't like it. <laughs> Oh, okay. I think oh. I, I think I liked some of the songs off the first album, and that was it. So there we go. Royal Blood, not a sound purchase. So Hot Ten Blues hmm. kicks off okay. the album. Was that was that an episode within it? It was a little episode. mini episode <laughs> yeah. there for your charge. We can cut that yeah. out and just put it behind a paywall or something. <laughs> That's good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hot Ten Blues. What? Hot what Ten Blues. Um, I mean, I was think when I. First, sat down to do this. I was thinking I'd just combine Hot Temp Blues and Broken together, um, just because obviously mm. they, they kind of flow. But um, man, it's, it's such a great opener. It's pretty short, instrumental track, obviously. Apparently, seven layers of guitar parts running through a Zoom bass pedal, which is crazy. That's like, so it gives it like this really 70s BBC sci fi. Particularly mm. that, that intro, that... Mm. That's like puts me in mind to like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or something like that. 
Was that seventies? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Seventies BBC sci-fi. I want to throw into the ring that this is possibly. I want to put it up for consideration. Is this the greatest opening song in history? No, because it's Black Shark. But this is a close second. <laughs> what about Uncontrollable Urge? Uncontrollable Urge is very good, but it's not Black Shark, which is the best song for opening an album in history. Yeah, but does this does this now rank higher than Uncontrollable Urge? I'd have to listen to Uncontrollable Urge again, and then this, and then that, and then this. Sorry, Brendan. For, for a non-jokey answer, I think uh, I Want to Be Adored is my personal favourite opening track to any album. Um, by the I'm not joking. Book. I genuinely yeah, yeah. think Black Shark is the best opening to Oh, album. okay. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's not joking. That's, that's, a, that's been a long... I, long, you know what? I, I didn't uh, even necessarily. I wasn't even sort of <laughs> saying it for for that specific choice. I was just kind of wanted to make it clear that I, this is not a joke. I'm not saying that yours was, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, no. I mean, yeah. I, th- I just no. yeah, anyway. Let's not talk about the Stone Roses. Let's talk about Lay at the Pier. Let's talk about Lay at the Pier. Yeah, it's a it's short, sweet, epic sounding. And just yep. goes really nicely into the next song, Broken. If you guys have much you really want to add to it, now's the time. No, just quickly, I think, like, I, I'm assuming that the album is meant to be like this pirate radio kind of... There's something about the idea that it's, you know, fantasy black channel. It's got, like, a TV. Like, it's almost like you're, like, you've gone into, like, a magical TV channel that's, like, a paranormal mm. TV channel or something. I think that's kind of how I feel about the whole album, especially with the glitches and stuff and the way that it kind of all links in. Kind of sounds like you're yeah. hopping between pirate radio or, or, or whatever. So this is just a really cool intro to that. It almost, for me, I, it almost needs like a narration over the top. Um, like, like <laughs> welcome to the Black Fantasy Black Channel. You know, something like that. Or like songs, songs <laughs> for the deaf kind of thing. I think that that's what yeah. I would have done if I was in the studio. That's but, a really good shout. You know, the, yeah, something about that, this opening, it sounds like the intro to a, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, TBC sci-fi from the 70s. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Or once again, in my mind, it just puts me straight onto the old Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, it's exactly mm-hmm. something that would have appeared in the soundtrack to that. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know yeah, if that's, that's what they were going for. All, all The only note that I had was that this this just totally stops you in your tracks. Mm. This mm. this As an opening song, that's what you want to do. But I don't know, There's there's something really kind of powerful about the two themes within this song, the two musical themes. Mm. And yeah, we'll have to get clips of both of them. Yeah. Yeah. To set them in there. It's it's so much easier just to play it than it is to try and explain. Yeah. Because, uh, and it is a very sudden change, obviously from the main intro theme into the, the next riff. Yeah. Which kind of leads it into the next song, you know. It's uh, that second riff that I love. Yeah. That second riff is that's another thing. That's another thing that you get throughout this album is just it's suddenly changing direction to mm-hmm. something else, just kind of almost out of nowhere, but in a way that's not incredibly jarring because it's not incredibly jarring when it changes riff. Yeah. It's just, it's just no. the natural progression of, right, we've done this bit for how long it needs to be. Next bit. It's very different, but it just fits and it works and it bridges that it gap. It seems very calculated, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
yeah, and it bridges the gap into Broken, which, yeah, just carries straight on from the net previous song, unless, like me, you're you're listening on something that uh, annoyingly puts a gap in between the songs. Oh, dude, don't oh, even get me such started. such a pain in the arse. Yeah. It's like, I, I've been trying to fix it with crossfades and things, and, and oh. no, no. Um, I was listening on YouTube and there was a minute and a half of silence between the two of them. <laughs> Some, someone had like literally cut the song and they've cut the album into like a playlist. Right. And because because later the peer don't really have any sort of online presence. They've got an official Instagram, but otherwise nothing. Yeah. Fans have cut it up and this guy's like literally just left a minute and a half of silence at the end of Hot Temp Blues. Brilliant. It sucks. That's annoying. I yeah. thought like I've been listening to it on Spotify because I, I normally if I don't have a vinyl and I don't have anything to play CDs on anymore. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, listening to it on Spotify, it just puts a slight gap, and it's just infuriating. Oh, it's I awful. know it's not supposed yeah. to be there. They've done it know? dirty. Yeah. If you don't have that slight gap, it just fe- goes seamlessly into it. And if you were listening to it on vinyl, you you would be forgiven for thinking it's the same song. You know, going into it. Do you want me to start this one? Would someone else like to? Have you got notes you'd like to go through? Instant guitar solo. Yeah. <laughs> it's Every song solo. should start with a solo. Every song. If you it's the best thing ever. Can I can I hold you to that as the guitarist in your band? Yeah, 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 yeah. Done. But it's, it's kind of got to be this style of thing. It can't be like a big epic while my guitar gently weeps style solo. It's just got to be oh. a um, uh, yes. Of the Prince yeah, one, it. obviously. Oh. Because it's oh. the second best recorded guitar solo of all time, that live Prince one. First being, of course, Prince at the Super Bowl. Purple Rain, Super Bowl. Is it the best solo of all time? No. But just the way it's played and the situation and everything else, the atmosphere, it's just, it just makes it the best. Anyway, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Brilliant guitar side at the beginning. Uh, and then you get the riff. So I'm oh. just calling it the riff. And I'll play yep. a clip of it here. Everyone gets a turn. Well, I say everyone. Bass and guitar gets a, both get a turn at the riff. Uh, it just creates this really good dynamic movement. So obviously you get the bass doing it first of all, and then that oh, yeah. changes to like a stabby bass thing while the guitar does it, and it just kind of keeps it interesting despite the fact it's you know just the same riff on loop for however many bars. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it creates really nice dynamic shift, which then goes even further when it just cuts to just like, was it a glitched, glitchy organ sound? Yeah. And the vocals? Yeah. I put, yeah, 80s synth pad. I didn't sleep last night. I couldn't calm down. The cold water running past my window kept me crying out. Yeah, it's it's not an actual organ, obviously, but yeah, it's like a, they've got a synth organ and they've... It sounds like a kid's toy, a kid's toy synth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, it's just a fantastic way of kind of bringing the vocals oh. in and just... So like you were saying uh, before with the Midnight Oil one where it cuts down to just the vocals and um, and something mm. else and it just creates, it really draws your attention to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. out of, out, which is, and then the drums, man, that drum beat, that drum groove oh. is yeah. oh, so, so good. good. 
So only notes I've got then are I'm getting a major Strokes vibe from this song. And I think it's because of the the guitar work, the like kind of intertwining guitars. Mm. Yeah. It's something that I've I've always just really associated with the Strokes. And at the end I legitimately had to check my phone was okay because I was listening to the outro and I just assumed that I'd microwave my phone or something. I've I've got more. I've got more. So actually on that note of, of the guitars and stuff, I have put that the instrumentation on this is throughout the album in general, but on this track in particular is, is phenomenal with what mm. they have coming in, where it comes in, what drops out to make space for it to come in. They, they just absolutely knocked it out of the park and say it just creates this feeling of movement constantly, even though like tempo-wise and dynamic-wise, there are dynamic changes, but generally it's fairly constant. Um, but just by having different things in and out, it, it, well, it keeps your attention. Yeah, it, absolutely. You you can't get bored listening to this album. You know, nothing carries on for more than like four four loops. Yeah, it, it's very kind of thing. Yeah, which is you know good. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's 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 a very undervalued compositional device. And, and to the fact as well, it's, it's quite a difficult one to use. It's quite easy for things to become almost forgettable if they're constantly changing or, or for it to become tiring to listen to. Uh, I don't, yeah. Yeah. personally, on the listens back that I've, I've had for this, I've not found that. Obviously, other people may disagree with me, but I personally don't find that at all. No, this is definitely one of those albums that we were talking about a lot in the early days of the podcast where... I really struggled to write notes down because I was quite happy just sitting there and listening. There's so much going on that I need, I, I feel like I need more time to really soak it all in. Oh, you've yeah. got, you got the rest of your life, Stefan. Yes. But there's, there's more so, obviously, songs going off the obvious looking at lyrics things. It's about drugs and prostitution. It, it might not be, you'd have to ask Sam Eastgate, but looking at the lyrics, that's sort of the, the vibe I get from it. Things like, you know, didn't sleep last night, couldn't couldn't calm down, obviously. Met a friend, but then again, you could get around town like they do. That sounds like a prostitute thing to me. I could be wrong. Other than that, I think my only other note is uh, we have time signature shenanigans in this one towards the uh, middle eight. So most of it's four, is it four, four or eight, eight? Whatever feels right to you. For me, it's four, four, but you might think it feels better I, in eight, eight. I would say it's four, four. Yeah. Uh, but then before it comes in, you get a bar of 2-4, then a bar of 4-4, four, four, and then it goes into 7-4 for the um, It's All Evolution's Fault Now. I forget the next line. But yeah, that bit's all 7-4, which I mm. thought was really cool. Because one thing they do throughout the album is they do have a lot of time signature changes throughout the songs, uh, and you don't necessarily notice it. It's not always obvious. Uh, and I think a lot of that's probably down to the drums. Oh, they're so smooth. Yeah, in the changes, yeah, it's really smooth, and, and just they they just keep going constantly, so you you just don't notice anything changing. To be honest with you, well, it's one of those things, and it's kind of like what we were saying last last uh, episode on the Midnight Oil was that when you're doing these things, it's a it's a great exercise for the musicians, but most of the time the listener doesn't even realise that you're changing, although sub on a subconscious level. They probably notice that something has changed, but they don't understand that it's extra beats or it's a different meter. It's mm. it's more just like the again refocusing their attention. Yeah, cool. That's that's what I've got just, for this I'll, one. Anyone? Yeah, I'll just quickly say at two minutes twenty that that guitar riff is 
sounds a lot like Tokyo Police Club. Yes. I think it's like, it sounds identical to one of their tracks, and I can't remember which track it is. I was I was getting Strokes vibes, and later on in the album, I think, I can't remember what song it was, but there was definitely a song where I was like, this is Tokyo Police Club. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that normally you'd, you'd have that, if you're playing it live, for example, you'd get set that loop up and just have it go and go while it feedbacks and you come off stage and that just keeps on going and that keeps on going. You have a drink and then you come out and you do your encore. You know, that's, that's the kind of riff that that is to me, or certainly if the sound's safe used for it. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's about it, really. Yeah, you get your weird glitched out audio and then it goes straight into Space in the Woods. Was a single? I feel like it was a single. It's the f- I believe so. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't have as many notes for this. Number one is just the bass sound because it is a really not very good bass sound, but it's exactly what it needs to be. So to to fit in with the synths and the drums and the vocals and everything, it needs that yeah. really. I don't want to call it punchy. It's just really bright. You get a lot of um, like the pick attack and things on there, don't you? Mm. It's like they've basically right treble all the way up, mids quite far up, bass no, bass cut yes. It's just horrible. But yeah, it's exactly what it needs to be to not get lost in everything and to make it all come together. Other than that, I've put super disco instrumental chorus. And the bass does some cool things where it does the line, but obviously it does it higher than lower, which when the vocals do come in for the second chorus kind of makes you, you kind of go, oh, right, I see why they've done that because it fits much better with his register when he's playing it lower. So he doesn't right. he doesn't sing over the bit where he's playing it higher up. And then when he comes in with the low bit, that's when he comes in and it just fits really well. Oh, I didn't really pick up well. on it. Oh, and the only other thing I've got to, on here is just, I'm shit hot, so say what you think about me. Mm-hmm. Great line. <laughs> Phenomenal line. Uh, <laughs> Well, as long as he's talking about the drummer, because the drum performance on this track, this track would be nothing without the drums. The riff just wouldn't have any of the bounce that it does without that drum. The drum, and again, it's the switching between patterns. Yeah, it's so good. I was yeah really impressed. It, yeah, uh, you can say that throughout a lot of the album. To be honest, fantastic drum work. So yeah, good job, Brendan. Yeah, I thought, I don't know, I thought the verse is very 80s, Gary Newman, the way that he sings. Even David Bowie, like, no, 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 no. It's, it's kind of got that. Yeah, I can on. see that. I could definitely see the Gary Newman aspect of it. In fact, I, I think, think some of the synth sounds shop, right? as well. Yeah. Like the, the synth sounds are very Gary Newman. Yeah. Um, I think I think he's named as, like, on their Wikipedia, I think, by big influence. Oh, Probably. Probably. And also, at two minutes and two seconds, it's, it sounds exactly like the Crash Bandicoot soundtrack. <laughs> I 
this is the this is the first of two Crash Bandicoot PS1 references that I've put. Doesn't yeah, it, Jay? I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for the bit where it comes into Have you been stalking the... our Instagram? Sorry? Have you been stalking our Instagram? No. We literally posted about Crash Bandicoot yesterday. Did you really? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It wow. does sound wow. very... Cra- <laughs> I'm listening to it now. So this is the yeah, I'm yeah. shit hot bit. Do, 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 that, that do, does do, sound do, very... Do, 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 Like, yeah, that's incredible. If they didn't mean that, that's uh, phenomenal. I don't know if they I've did. I've been playing a lot of Crash Bandicoot. Really? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the only game that I have that my son can kind of mm. join engage in. Engage with. Yeah. Hard games though, the old ones. Um Yeah, oh, he he can't play them just yet, but he can yeah. sit there with a the controller switched off and pretend that he's playing. Nice. <laughs> nice. Very uh, nice. But yeah, that's all I've got really, to be honest. Nice, nice, nice. We're getting through this quickly, guys. Um Next song. Next yeah, I song. I, I, you know, the album segues itself so well that I'm trying to not do segues uh, to counteract the segues of the album. At least that's the excuse I've come up with, um, and I'm going to stick with it. So what is next? Bears are coming. This one, I've just taken... I'm just going to read out a review from Enemy because I think it pretty much sums it up perfectly. So, a tension-bereft oddity that begins with a bedpost African percussion. Segwaying into low-frequency synth burping and electronic squeals that sound like Pac-Man throwing up, uh, it subsides into a mournful midsection of Atari's suicide that ushers in a free-for-all magical mystery digression. Further breakdown, then a bleep, bleep, blip finale. And did we mention the recurring noise of spoons hitting mugs? An idea of reminiscent of erstwhile King Crimson drummer Jamie, uh, is it Muir? Muir? Not sure, sure. He was he was a very short-lived King Crimson drummer. Uh, and I, that kind of sums it up perfectly. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but our t- Atari Suicide is the best band name ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, are you kidding me? I'm writing that down. That's incredible. Jesus. That could be the name of the next comfort album. Well, I'm changing the band name. <laughs> I, right. I strongly doubt that there's uh, like 20 million Atari uh, Suicide bands out there. Like there are, like there is comfort. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Atari. What's the, other, oh, uh, what's, what's the what's the Atari band? What's that band? The Ataris. The Ataris. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if we were going to be called Atari Suicide, we could have to get into like eight bit chip tune sort of stuff. Yeah, we could throw that in there, yeah. Okay, um, fine. But yeah, I think this was their first single, wasn't it? I think, which is a really insane I choice. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one, obviously, yeah, with, with the, the bedpost thing. So if, if you've seen them, mm. footage of them playing this live, I think yeah. they literally just had, like, pieces of wood <laughs> that they'd just go up and play the rhythm on. Nice. 44 seconds is just pure 
funkadelic, like pure funk, isn't it? Like, god damn, you know, it's just, it's just great. I put the ending is uh, I've just quoted I'm quoting myself um, crazy arcade machine pop outro so there you go the Atari thing yeah yeah, yeah. Atari suicide yeah the only note that I I got two notes one is a belching synthesizer Ooh. which yeah. was kind of covered in the enemy huh. with the what did what was it burp yeah yeah burp electronics or something like that burp yeah and I felt like there's a meter change from four four to six eight. Yeah, there is. There is. Yeah, I, I know exactly where you mean. Because the the whole the whole groove shifts. Yeah, I saw you waiting in the water. That bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do 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 do. Yeah, that is six eight definitely. Well spotted. I didn't pick up on that one. Because that was that was the only meter change I actually like wrote down. The one the only one that I noticed enough to be able to go. Oh, I uh-huh. know that. Oh, see, I just kind of saw that NME review. So that's that's done my job for me. Excellent. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sums it up much better and much more succinct, succinctly than I ever could. Okay, man, we are flying through this. We are yeah. amazing. I just want to say, just uh, if we're not clear already, this band does great outros. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is an art form in, in all in itself. Right? Oh my god, ending a song is, uh, yeah, arguably yeah. the hardest thing. It, it's, it's fantastic. Although I've always liked the Be Right Back. Is it be right back? Yeah. Yeah. Always like the speed up and yeah. the just the screamo at the end. I like that. Yeah, I want to play that live right now. We could do a stream. I mean, latency might be an issue. <laughs> mm, yeah. I, don't know <laughs> I can't tell. Has he got delay on that guitar or is he just delay? <laughs> bit of column A, bit of column B. Yeah. yeah. When in doubt, yes. Delay yeah. on the guitar. <clears throat> it's always, always, it's all intentional. Random Furl. I don't have a lot of notes for this one. It's just a nice, nice uplifting, quite short for the mm. album song. Basically just saying, ah, things are only bad temporarily. Uh, so behind the clouds, it's lovely. Beautiful. I mean, also, open guitar riff. Oh, sorry, go, go, go. I was going to say, also, they quite clearly couldn't afford a cowbell, and so they used a saucepan. Well, yeah, just that first riff is just pure strokes, I think. Oh, yeah. I was, like, that's just... I was trying to think. Like, I've, I've, Obviously, we've heard that before somewhere. Mm. It's quite a common progression, but it's. I was trying to think, where do I know that from? <laughs> yeah. All I've got is I love the bell synthesizer sound. Yes. Mm, mm, yeah. It's a really cool, clean, funky little tune. I, I like it. Yeah. Exactly. And it does its thing, gets out, no mucking about, and it just sounds lovely. Uh, it's just nice kind of ear cleanser, I guess, because there's nothing too abrasive or, or full on. But then we get Heartbeat, uh, which is like proper 80s synth pop intro.
Yeah. In, in my head, like as soon as I hear it, it puts an image of for whatever reason something that looks like Interstellar five 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 into my not Interstellar five 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 five, but something that looks like it. And I don't know if it's an actual anime or, or cartoon that existed. Uh, I couldn't tell you what it is if it is one, but it just goes straight into my head. It's got like this weird, weird grainy filter on it, and um, it just yeah, something about it just puts it straight in there. Yeah, like the most eighties thing imaginable. This one's got some time signature shenanigans in it, actually quite prominently. So mm. all the verses you can either count them if you're an idiot is seven four, or if you're not an idiot, then I do it as count. And the way that feels more natural to me is to count a bar of six eight and then a bar of eight eight, and then you just keep flipping back between the two. So it's six eight 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 six eight 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 six eight eight eight. That's too much mathematics. No, it's not. You count to six and you count to eight. <laughs> Too much mathematics. Uh, it just feels a bit better. I mean, if you were going to be writing it down as sheet music, you'd probably do it as 7-4 because it would probably be clearer. Yeah, to me, Yeah. At, as actual kind of like counting along and, and just the feel of it, 6-8 to 8-8 eight, eight feels better. And then get a nice bit of 4-4 four, four for the chorus. And then more time signature shenanigans. The riff at the end, which is phenomenal, is in Because why not? Sounds very Wolf Mother to me. If Wolf Mother wanted to do something that wasn't four four. Mm. Oh yeah. I I got some some major Wolf Mother vibe from this. I put the synth sound is heavenly, and just half time exclamation mark. Yeah. Where's That's the half time? Like, <laughs> I don't usually timestamp my stuff because I've I've already cut the clips, but I haven't cut the clips this time. Yeah, I, I I really hate um, doing the whole, this bit sounds like this band, this sounds like this band. Like, if someone did that to me, I'd be like, oh, fuck off. But I can't deny that the the, the opening kind of riff very reminds me of Block Party. Oh, with the drums as well, yeah. Yeah, it's got that real Block Party kind of dirge. And I think just going on the Wikipedia, it just kind of gives someone like me a lot of joy, where it's talking about time signatures and all this stuff. But on the Wikipedia page, it says the reason that was unconventional and what the reason I used it in experimental chords is because none of them could play their instruments properly. <laughs> um, that's what it <laughs> says. The drummer, apparently. Uh, but the drums are, yeah, incredible. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying they, it doesn't sound calculated, which when I think they goes wrote to it, your they... point of like, it, it, well, it never, it never feels forced. It never feels um, technical or robotic. It, it feels very real. And I think it's because none of them are uh, scientists. You know, they're, they're, it's, it feels natural and it just feels messy but in an interesting way again it goes back to this whole kind of um the the pirate radio magical television kind of switching between sounds and mm. channels and frequencies and, and and stuff and yeah i think it's good also the the a heartbeat a thick art line is is very like dasher uh, <laughs> I, mean, I don't it's, think it's, they it, uh i don't think they know who dasher are <laughs> no i don't think so but it, 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 it's it, this one I, I never really liked this song even back in the day it kind of felt it, it, it felt like it should have been their first single in a weird way because it's, it's it's quite immediate. 
but also mm. I think it, it it does have that real indie enemy thing to it. I I, I don't know. Just the way I mean, it, specifically the way he sings that bit, I don't like. But it's fair um, enough. The, the song I think is awesome. I think the ending is fantastic. Yeah, beautiful stuff. To the best song on the album. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that answers a question for Brendan later. White yeah, so snake. have you? You've had some real white limo syndrome, have you? I uh, yes. You want to skip through heartbeat to get to White Snake? Ab- absolutely. <laughs> fair enough. You know, White Snake is arguably a better song, uh, so that's mm. fair enough. You get this really kind of nice ambient beginning, don't you? It's like almost muse-like ambientness. Mm. and then straight into the dance punk. What an abomination. Innocence is such a crime. Yes. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. you get the chuggy guitars, the floor to the foot to the floor kick, distorted vocals, a cool riff. I'm listening to it now, it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. And then there's a spear out of nowhere. You know, that song had a family, all the wrestling memes, <laughs> and then you get your plinky piano. It's like, what? <laughs> Where did that come from? Very suddenly. And it's just like, and it just, once again, should be really jarring and odd. And it kind of is. But it works really well and gives us really good platform just to, you know, build back up into... Where's my notes gone? I've lost them. Oh, to build up into the Iron Maiden section. Yeah. The, the galloping. <laughs> Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. And it's really cheesy and I love it. <laughs> you talk you talk about the bit where it's like da, 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 da. The galloping guitar. So I've got a real thing for galloped guitars. They're tacky and awful mm-hmm. and they should never be used, but whenever they are, um, they're just amazing. <laughs> so Oh right, that bit yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of remind the, the bit after that with the do 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 do. The way he sings it, it's almost like Rocky Horror Picture Show or Misfits or <laughs> or Sparks. Really. I get a very Sparks vibe. Oh from this. yeah, you're you're right. Yes, yes. Very theatrical, glam. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's crazy. There's a really cool '50s sci-fi synth that there. It's not quite a theremin sound, but it's it's not far mm. off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell, the whole song is about a coke binge. Sure. The white snakes being lines of coke, I think. You mean it's not actually about 80s hair metal band white snake? No, no, it's not. They, apparently, apparently they didn't know that band. That's, that's, their, that's their line. Yeah, liars. Liars, everyone knows white snake. That's so weird. When I, when when you when you just said everyone knows white snake, my eyes were trained on the Wikipedia line, the most exciting band around. <laughs> <laughs> the weird effect in my brain. <laughs> Are you listening, White Snake? <laughs> You've got a new tagline. Yes. Um, I like the bit where he goes, "Feel all right, psych." That's really cool. 
because the nineties so, are still fresh in everyone's memory. Yeah. It's just so playful and crazy and chaotic and I love the vocal effects that are like sounds like it's through a like sounds like it's through two pedals or it's it's distorted without being kind of tinny or megaphone esque. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not quite the megaphone thing. What a tune, Stefan. Uh, gl- glitchy outro. Sorry. Oh, gl- another glitchy outro. <laughs> was was it yep. just them doing? Was that a thing at the time? Was it just them doing it? Or was there like a thing for songs running into songs and glitchy outros? I don't know. Or like the like like you said earlier, the Queens of the Stone Age thing. Yeah. I mean it's again it's that thing, fantasy black channel. Yeah. It's it's the distorted frequency TV channel change thing, right? Suddenly that makes this a concept album. I think it is. <laughs> By default, I have to hate all concept albums because they're all shit. So <laughs> Apart from the best concert album and best album ever made, uh, The Black Parade by Michael McCormick. But we'll get onto oh, that another day. I, I thought you were going to talk about Sticks then, the yeah. one with uh, Mr. Roboto on it. I can't remember what the album's called. Robo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Dude, dude. Yes. BW, it's the second completely instrumental track. They actually got a brass section in, uh, like a horn section in. I, I thought it was just synthesizers, uh, but no. Real <laughs> life brass, baby. Not really got a lot to say on this. It's very similar to other tracks in terms of creating that movement through the instrumentation, or dynamic changes like that. Uh, very full on, you know, once again, living up to the dance punk reputation. The only other notes I've got are, are cabbage and can you smell snacks? Got fuzz bass and amazing synth sounds once again. Mm. Yeah, that fuzz bass is sweet. Jack Hammer. Okay, so that's my new stage name. We could be all my names. Jack <laughs> Hammer. Can we talk about a little song called Fokker? A little song called Fokker. So this, uh, for me, was a song, I'm pretty sure this was the first Later to Pierce song I heard. So this was the one that introduced yep. me to the band. I've got to talk about the video. The video is fucking brilliant. <laughs> um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah it, it's... I mean, it's worth noting at this point, all of their videos, if I remember rightly, have this weird black slime thing going on. Oh, yeah. I don't know what, what was going on with that, but they all had like this weird black, gungy, slime, ooze mm. stuff. And this one's no different. But this one's got like brilliant things where like, where it kicks in properly, like the glass, his glasses just fly off his face through the mm-hmm. sheer force of the music kicking in. And at the end, they get beat up by some sort of dubstep robot. <laughs> just like beating on them with sticks. Good stuff. Song's all right, I guess, in it. Pretty catchy. Apparently, the, the main riff was taken from another song that they had called Six Eight Fokker. Huh. Which I'm going to assume was Fokker, but in Six Eight, I, I don't know. It's got some crazy cool arpeggios in the chorus, like in the background. If you if you guys listened out for those. No. Like if you if you go, uh, go to the chorus and have a listen, there's just like proper insane. Oh yeah, Pokemon yeah. style arpeggios, like where it's just crazy all mm. over the place. Totally. And that kind of chip tune sound, crazy arpeggios. 
I thought there was a key change at one point, but I don't actually think it is. I think he just starts singing. Oh, what? I want to be a friend. Different... That bit. But I thought the yeah. rest of the music followed it with the key, followed it, but I don't think it does. I think he's just changed the notes he's singing in that scale. Still has the kind of effect it needs. It lifts the song. Uh, and it's great. Great. And yeah, it's very upbeat until it suddenly isn't. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, once again, that whole tonal shift, it just gets really dark and moody. And uh, actually, at that point where it gets dark and moody, it's got some of the most thought-provoking lyrics I think I've heard in some time. You know, the, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh, they get one of the aliens from Mars Attacks to yeah. come down. It's almost nah, like, yeah. like, I'm going to put a melody in and I'll think of some lyrics to come to it later. And then they were just like, actually, that works fine. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> the outro, like, I, I really, so... Me and Jake Megan were going to go see him live in, two, I want to say it was 2009. And for whatever reason, we didn't end up going. I, I just think we could get there, but I didn't think we could get back or something like that. And we didn't. And obviously they broke up the next year and we really regret not going. But I always thought like the outro for this one would be amazing live. Just if you were there in a crowd, just going absolutely nuts. They did. They did Tron Legacy before Daft Punk did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. If you if you if you started playing this and said it was from the new Tron or the latest Tron, I, there's absolutely no reason I wouldn't believe you. They are doing a new Tron, I think. Really? Well, get these guys because the outro to this song is Tron Legacy. Um, love it. Nice. Yeah. This this was always my go-to song. I think just because it was the most like. Big. Yeah. When you're 17, you if, want big. If I was going to show someone later to peer for the first time, this is probably the song I'd go to. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it seems a little tiny, tiny bit um, immature now, this song, compared to some of the other tracks. A bit, bit too kind of yeah, ravey. I don't know. Um, but but I, I really love the bit where it first cuts out uh, with just the kick pedal. Um, the first verse, you know, first lyric. I just love that. I love anything yeah. that cuts out with just kick it's pedal. just drums. And and... Love that, love that. Yeah, it's just a chaotic, crazy, fun song. Um, yeah, I like it. Nice. Stefan? Pretty much all of the above, really. I think you guys have covered it. My notes get pretty sparse from here. Yeah, same same here. I mean, so the next one, The Enemy in the Future, is, um, is, is a, it's a long old song, and it goes to a lot of different places, <laughs> it's, uh, which yes. is, is kind of reminiscent of the way it was recorded. So the enemy of the future, enemy are the future, was apparently came from a flyer for the enemy, who we of course we all remember because they are the future. We're living in the future, so the enemy are still. You remember the enemy, right, Stefan? Do you remember the enemy? No, no. The the enemy is in like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, not N M E. Oh, no, I don't remember the enemy then. No, oh, so they're not the future. So the flyer lied, right? Okay. 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 Cool. Um, they were a not particularly great indie band, as I remember it. I couldn't name you any of their songs. I remember Danny Brooks. Did you name any of their songs? Um, Did he? I cannot name you. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, when I think of the enemy, I immediately think of Danny Brooks. Um, 
I don't remember that. that because he's in a rival band. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it's um, We'll live and die in these towns, isn't it? I don't remember. I couldn't tell you how it went. I don't remember the enemy. I remember they were a band, but that's it. Oh, yeah, that's it. I'm so, so sick and tired. Dun, dun. I'm living in the that's, that, that's the song that I know. I don't remember it. Of working it. just to be something. Um, yeah, they're an annoying band. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, The Enemy of the Future, the, the song, um, so it takes a while to get going, and then once it's got going, it decides to change where it's going like, <laughs> two or three times. So apparently it was created in a, in a big jam session while they were barely hung over, mm-hmm. and it wasn't sort of all done in tandem or together. It was just done individually. Uh, so apparently uh, the drummer, what's his name, Dawson, I forgot his first name, I feel really bad, uh, formed he uh, formed about forty different beats one after another, uh, all at different timings. They recorded it with a tape player and then just basically molded it into a track in the studio. <laughs> it was cool. like, right, we'll use that beat, and then we'll take that beat. Right, well, I've played this, and that kind of works with that beat, so we'll just put that over it. They did four different endings, and three of them were spliced together to make the end, and you can kind of tell. And, and then it just kind of cuts out. <laughs> It's yeah, like, like that. so, oh, done now. Right, let's just press stop yeah. on the tape player. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so like, we've gone to all this effort and just like, no, I can't be asked. Yeah. It's like, I, I like how are we going to finish this? It's like, how does it finish on the cassette? Well, we just sort of stopped. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> done. Done. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's difficult to, to go into because there's so many different parts to this. Trying to actually go through it bit by bit would take yeah, I, forever. Yeah. Well, so you could do a whole episode on these kind of songs right um yeah yeah easily i've put um certain elements again remind me of crash bandicoot <laughs> it's got some chip tune in there which gave me that crystal yeah. castles kind of vibe but some some good old disco well the, well i was going to say the, the the outro with the percussion and the disco stuff is, is pure lcd sound system to me um, yeah exactly what i've got written down i could, down I could, I could really see them playing this or the uh, you know 12 musicians on stage and he's in a suit his weird kind of ek mic yeah, yeah, yeah. Head microphone. That's that's a good shout for an episode. LC Sanson. They they got some fantastic music. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think at this point I'm thinking, oh, I wish this album was only ten tracks. <laughs> you know, it's I, I kind of or I need this song. Just, I'm getting just a bit cut of fatigue this one out. Just cut this one song out because this song is too long and too meandering. And yeah, like you've got to be in the mood to listen to that one. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. But I really like the beginning. And then yeah. it just kind of goes places. Yeah. yeah. Next yeah. next track. Next track. Mad Dogs and Englishmen feels a lot more like the indie stuff to me that they were trying to get away from. Totally, yeah. Is that not a Joe Cocker album? Quite possibly. Maybe, yeah. It might well have been. I don't know, though. But yeah, it does feel like a lot like... It feels like this should have been a single as well, particularly as it was peak of the indie sort of era um, and this would have been, you know, it's got the call and response guitar bass thing going on. Which was kind of a very popular thing in indie music at the time. I remember a lot of bands. Oh, really? A lot of smaller but local bands as well used to do that. One that instantly comes to mind is Turncoat. Um, <laughs> had a song that did that, which was really cool. Because it's it's a nice, easy thing to use, isn't it? It's like, you know, there's a reason call and response has existed for 
however many probably thousands of years. That was, yes, 4,007 years, I think it is. Uh, something like that, yeah. yeah. I've just that put depends. clean, <laughs> I've put clean, pure, rocking. I really yeah. like the song. I, this, this, this is, I don't know, it's just something so clean, so pure. It, again, it's got that television or like garage, 70s garage, post-punk mm. rock thing. Television actually runs throughout this album, uh, along with the other mentions once I mentioned. But yeah, just something about the guitar. I really love the guitar in this and the clean. It's just so pure it, and clean. and Really, really chimey in the chorus, isn't it? Yeah, so so nice. I'd like to think, yeah, I'd like to think it was played on like my Telecaster, that kind of telly kind of sound. The way that he sings the verse really reminds me of the intonation and the the way that the Kilkenada sings their lyrics. That's just instantly, I was like, oh my god, that's Kilkenada. Yeah, actually, I can hear that. I mean, Kilkenada. I've been listening to a lot of them recently, actually. Um, Just remembering how amazing they were, and it's just one of the bands that got away. I think you know, like like this band, you know. Or like my victory or yeah. whatever. It's like, how did these guys not just take over the world? You know, yeah. It's it's a cool song. It's just it's short. It's sweet. It's it's clean. I think Jake, you're right. It sounds like the thing they were trying to get away from, but it, but it's good. It's not. It's fine. Did anyone get got by the false stop? I did. Oh yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, love that. Synth I, I always it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it's like oh, it's so I catchy. It. I love it. Yeah, it's um, good. But I, I'm a sucker for a full stop in in music yeah. since um, it was it was a horrors gig. I, I wasn't there unfortunately, but I, I saw footage of it. It might even be like Reading or something. Uh, and basically, they had a full stop. The crowd starts cheering and they start going again. And instead of singing the rest of the song, he just starts laughing. And he's like, the full stop, it got you. Uh, <laughs> nice. Oh, that's like sudden respect for the full stop. <laughs> <laughs> so once this song ends, it's you skip to like the four minutes, 50 mark or something. And then another song starts playing. Huh. But we're not well, going to yeah. talk about it because it's a secret. Well, they've always been a big thing. These days, they just come up as bonus tracks, which is rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Brennan, you go. Well, can I tell you the reason I didn't know that is because I didn't listen to this song. <laughs> uh, ah. In preparation for this, I was just like, yeah, I'm tired, I'm bored, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> the ending sounds like Panic at the Disco. It's got that weird circus. It sounds like a circus mm. tune. Uh, like sort of, what's, the, what's, the, what's that style of performance called? Um, v- um, I, I don't know. I don't know, I'm afraid. No idea what you're talking no, about. No, yeah. no, neither, neither do I. I'm sorry, I'm... I, the actions didn't help as well as you were like no. belly dancing your way through that. Keep talking. Well, while you're having a think, I'm going to quote Enemy again um, from the same review I got that other one from. I'm not, I don't quite agree with this one, but I just thought it was a nice, good summing up. Uh, so they've called it Queen Gone Industrial, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was more, a lot more just generally new wave. Like very, I mentioned Thomas Dolby last week, but very Thomas Dolby. <laughs> and even very Devo in parts in terms of how it sounds. Not the singing, obviously. Oh yeah, totally. I like his vocal delivery. I like the, the way he sings. Get your hands on some cheap wine. Great lyric. Get your hands on some cheap wine. Well, we haven't really gone into the lyrics very much throughout. I mean, I've mentioned a couple of them, but generally they are quite yeah. interesting lyrics. Um, yeah. I don't think as... I, I, 
hesitant to attribute too much meaning to the ones where I did talk about them because I, generally I think it's just words and phrases to sound good rather than to so the old Mike Patton yeah. approach of just I think you know, yeah I don't they don't strike me necessarily as a band of incredible lyrical depth no no you know I think the lyrics are almost a byproduct and that's yeah. fine you know um that's absolutely fine. I think the the purpose of this band is not the message as mm-hmm. much as it is the music. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. All righty. Well, I suppose we should do the questions and stuff then, shouldn't we? Yeah. Let's go for it. Let's so, round this out. Favourite song on the album? Um, Stephanie, you start. Favourite song on the album? I, like I say, I was really blown away by the, the opening song. Uh, just... It's another one of those ween situations for me that I sat there expecting late of the pier. I was kind of judging it and just expecting it to be, I don't know, something a lot different than it was. And then all of a sudden, Hot Ten Blues and Broken. I I, I was supposed to be cooking, but I've got to be honest, I just stood there for that whole time (laughs) frozen in time going, oh, my God, I'm being assaulted, but in the best possible way. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to go. I, I Are you gonna com- yeah, you can I combine think... hot tent blues and broken together if you want. I think I'm going to, yeah. 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 That's I fair. I really enjoyed those two. Brendan? I have gotta say broken again. I've gotta say broken, yeah. I think it's just a class act. Uh I really, really like it. I, I think also I just I I adore White Snake just for the kick of it, <laughs> you know, just for the shot to nice. the arm. Nice. Uh well it's it's free for free from me, broken. <laughs> It's just just so many fantastic parts to it. You know, it just sounds amazing from a technical perspective as well. It's just really quite impressive with um with all the you know shenanigans going on with it. Yeah, it, it's well, there. You go. It is definitively the best song on the album. It's a combination of Hot Temp Blues and Broken. Yeah, yeah. yeah look it so, up. So, who would you like to see covering what song from this album, Brendan? If if you could get one band to cover any song, what would it be and who? God, I hate this question. I, I don't know. Um, I can give you the obvious answer, which is White Snake covering White Snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. The Enemy and Odd Future combined, covering the Enemy of the Future. Okay, <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, why not? We'd go for well, Space in the Woods. I mean, the Strokes is probably the easy answer for me. Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. what I hear. Or Tokyo Police Club or Tokyo Stroke Club. <laughs> Supergroup. That doesn't sound like a good thing. Tokyo Stroke Club. Mm. No. I'd quite like to hear or Thundercat doing a random furl. Wow. Nice. I just think nice. he'd do a really, fat, really bang up job of it, to be honest. Yeah. I think he could kind of make it even groovier than it currently mm. is. And just because I thought White Snake doing White Snake was a cop out answer. Um nobody actually <laughs> wants to see White Snake doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah. let's be honest. Well, Brendan, obviously you don't have a real top ten because uh, you're a scrub. But um Well I've got four now. Where does this but... <laughs> you've got a top four? Well like, yeah, I mean I've done four, so So what do we normally ask Brendan, Stefan? Is, would it rank in your personal top ten? I guess. No. Something like that. No. Should I, should I no. give you my top four though? 
yeah, go, go on, for it. Okay, Matador, obviously, number one. I disagree. Fantasy Black Channel, number three, and Justified, all the way down. It's not even four, it's ten. It's not even on the list. That's, that's well, it has fair. to be on the list until I get ten, but, but yeah, it's four. There you go. <laughs> now, Jake, I promise you this isn't getting you back for last week. <laughs> I was looking over my top ten, because I was, I was all set to put them in there. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking, I've got currently, I think, um, John Martin on the bubble. Is this a better album than Solid Air? Bearing in mind, John Martin does kick dogs in the face. <laughs> it's a vicious rumor that you've started. I just want to have that pointed out. You can't. But that's prove a nice callback. Deep cut, man. Yeah, nice, nice callback. <laughs> so you're saying well, that here's my theory. Okay, and less this, good this for the man in... who kicks dogs in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this ties in, Brendan, to what I was saying. Where it's like, oh, yeah. this is my theory need to remember my theory. I had a theory. My theory is this. I get major fatigue on this album. Mm. And it's not that every song sounds the same. It's not that kind of chestnut. It's just you listen to it and I I was barely able to make it through the album because just by the end of the album, I'm, I'm tired. I'm a bit brain dead. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome album. And I'm sure if I split it up, like if I was listening to it in halves on a record, on sides, that might be a bit different. If I listen to it side, have a bit of a break, mm-hmm. have another side, have a protein shake, the other side, you know, that sort of thing. I'm actually, I'm going to put this in at number 11. <laughs> that's, how, that's how close it was. Like I really, I really wanted this to go into the top 10, but I, I just don't think it's better than Solid Air. Solid Air is an album that I can listen to quite a lot. And I think we've said it before already in this episode. For a lot of these songs, you kind of need to be in the zone for it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And that zone is going out to, uh, you know, a club when you're 17. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That zone is like not COVID, lockdown, depression. Well, I am kicking old dog, dog kicker Martin off my list. Ooh. To make room for this, it's going in at number five. Number five. Wow. Number five. Wow. Who's sandwiching um, it? So Devo number four, and uh, Gaz Coombs is number six. Oh, well, I, well, I mean, well can't help but notice well a, a bit of an absence in that top. Yeah, you're There's right. No Poppy's been knocked yeah. out. Yeah. Poppy, no. <laughs> it's good though. We're starting to get some different lists. They're not kind of. Yeah, they're not more the, same, less the thing. same thing anymore. No, it's getting there. Well, and it's it's also that thing of like the first couple of episodes, it's like, well, yeah, it's going on. It's going to be on there. Now it's actually getting a bit cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. And you're sitting there. And like I say, it's like, this is a good album. Well, I guess that leaves us one final question. Is this a sound purchase? Yes. Yes. I, I will probably be purchasing this. Oh, cool. Yeah, especially well, that, as... That's, that's, the best, that's the best ending, right? If you... Yeah. Like that's you're the ultimate ending. It. It's not on your list, but you're going to buy it anyway. I mean, that's, that's that's good going. I mean, it does help that they re-released it. And it's yeah. not like £80 or something like that. Oh, Ween re-released the Mollusk, but that got all snapped up. <laughs> and it's now crazy money. And same for um, Fever Dixie, Submarine Transmission. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that kind of... And I guess the Mollusk as well both came out at a time when vinyl was not really... Yeah. It was on the way out, wasn't it? 
Well, last year was the first year in like 30 years that CDs were outsold by vinyl. Yeah, which is crazy. Who the fuck's buying CDs? <laughs> so, mm. Well, no, but that, that explains it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. People vinyl is outselling it, but yeah. Well then, um, yeah, 20 pounds you can go and buy, I think, is it Dynasty Records? Possibly. Something like that. Something you can like buy that. it for 20 pounds and they've got it in stock, people. G- Google nice. it, it'll turn up. Yeah. All right, I'm Jake. Stefan was here. I think Brendan was here. Don't really remember. It's been a couple of weeks. And this was Sound Purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. This episode was patiently patched together from leftover audio we had laying about uh, by producer Paul Lochran. You can show your appreciation for the episode when you like, review, share, and subscribe to us. Each engagement makes the effort all the more worthwhile. And the best way to grow the podcast is, as ever, by word of mouth. Your support is greatly appreciated. Uh, check the show notes and all the gump at asoundpurchase.com. You can engage with us on social media under the handle soundpurchasepod. You can support us by buying all of our beautiful, wonderful merch. T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, mystery meat and the like uh, by going to asoundpurchase.com forward slash shop. Uh, other episodes are available at all the good podcast places. Uh, whilst you're here, become a friend of the show. Uh, gain access to lots of extra stuff, things like bonus podcasts and blog posts and the like. Uh, join us for free on soundpurchase.com forward slash F-O-T-S. And as ever, if you've enjoyed the sounds during today's episode, visit your local record store and pick up a copy of Late of the Peers Fantasy Black Channel. Support your local businesses and artists. <laughs> <laughs>